You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer, and on today's show, we're also joined by John Kegley, the Chargers Encyclopedia. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are three riders who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, and this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? A special shout out to all of our new listeners joining the show today. We really appreciate it, and to all of our loyal listeners, we want to thank you guys as well, and it's third... It's Friday, so you guys know what this show is going to be. For the most part, we're going to be getting into our keys for success. We're going to be getting into the offense in the second segment and talk about the Chargers getting a much better matchup, a much softer matchup than they've had the last couple of weeks with the talented defenses that they've played. And then we'll get into our keys for success for the defense going up against a talented Atlanta Falcons offense before getting into our bold and game predictions to wrap up the show. But we're going to get started with the news that Isaac Rochelle, the Chargers' backup defensive end, being named the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Chargers and also get into a lengthy injury report. But the injury report does have some good news on it. There's one player I'm excited to see back this weekend and a couple other iffy players that could play a big impact in this game. So let's go ahead and get into it. On Thursday, it was announced that Isaac Rochelle will be the Los Angeles Chargers nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. This is Daniel Wade with your Locked On Chargers lead story. Every year, every NFL team has a candidate put up for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And this season, it is Isaac Rochelle, who's a backup defensive end for the Chargers after being a seventh round pick for them a couple of seasons ago. And he doesn't play a ton. He played a lot when Joey Bosa was injured during the 2018 season, but that doesn't make his impact any less, especially off the field. And I think this is a great deserving candidate this season to be the Walter Payton man of the year because Isaac Rochelle has been very involved in the community, especially starting several different charity organizations. Most recently, he started the Local Human Organization, which is an apparel company designed to support various charities and serve the community. For each t-shirt sold, the company sends a t-shirt to a local foster center, and they also donate $10 per shirt to a designated organization of the month. Back in May, the recipient was the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. What he said was, it started from quarantine. We had tons of extra time. We also had this want to help people. I think a lot of people in the midst of this feel that way. We said, let's start something to give people a chance to give back. And it is always really humbling to see athletes doing something with their platform and trying to give back to certain organizations that mean something to them. And that's why I think 
Isaac Rochelle is definitely the man on the Chargers this year that deserves to get it. But it wasn't just the local humans that he's done for charity. He also has another charity organization that he started when he first got into the NFL. And that movement was designed to encourage people to stay off of social media on Saturdays. The program grew from Rochelle's own obsession with platforms like Twitter. He said, I think I have an obligation as a professional athlete. I have a voice. I have enough of a following to share a message. And I'd like to think I have the education and the mind to do these things. And I remember when this happened. When he first came in the league and he said he needed a day every week where he could just totally get away from all the social media hate that was out there that comes as a professional athlete, but it also comes just for normal people too. I'm sure if you guys are on any kind of social media platforms, you see the nastiness and the hate that gets spread on those things. And I do think that is a powerful message to sometimes take a little break from your social media, get away from it, spend time with your family, spend time doing other things that aren't just, you know, measuring yourself up against what other people are putting of themselves online. So Isaac Rochelle is this year's Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Chargers. And if you guys want to push him into the finals in that category, you can go onto his Twitter, Isaac Rochelle 90 on Twitter, and you can retweet his post, which will be another entry for him to be one of the finalists as the Walter Payton Man of the Year. But Also, the Chargers did have a lengthy injury report this week. The one that stood out to me the most was Brian Bulaga, who pops up as a non-injury-related non-participant in practice on Thursday, even though he was a full participant on Wednesday. It does not say whether this is rest-related. We have also seen similar designations when players have gone on the COVID-19 list. I'm not speculating that's what's going to happen, but at this point, it's really unclear if he is going to be able to play on Sunday. But the Chargers secondary could really be affected this weekend too because Casey Hayward Jr. was a limited participant on Wednesday but did come back to practice fully on Thursday. And although he has had some issues, he's still one of their better corners on the team. And then Chris Harris Jr. so far this week at most has only practiced in a limited capacity. So if they are not able to have him out there, they really struggled when he wasn't out there during his extended injury absence. But the good news on the list for the Chargers is that Uchen Nwosu looks like he'll be back this week. After a couple of weeks ago, it looked like he was headed to injured reserve. He did not go on the list, which meant he was eligible to come back a little bit sooner. And now he should be back this week. And I'll tell you why this is huge. This is huge because Melvin Ingram recently went on the injured reserve list. And Melvin Ingram is going to be an unrestricted free agent after this season. So you want to see as much of Uchenna and Wosu during these last four games as possible to know how big of an edge rusher need you have going into the 2020 offseason when you probably won't be able to retain Ingram. But we do have two more segments to get into because we are getting into our keys for success. So we're going to talk about Justin Herbert hopefully having a big bounce back week as well as Keenan Allen coming up right after this. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into our keys for success. And this week, we're going to be start, starting with the offensive side of the ball. And the Chargers get a much better matchup this week than they did the last couple of weeks. I know Justin Herbert is probably very excited to see this Falcons defense, who has been improved under the regime of Raheem Morris, even though we were talking about it with Aaron Freeman yesterday. You know, the Falcons got better defensively, even though in their own five-star, Raheem Morris was their defensive coordinator but I think this is a game for the Chargers to get back to looking like that high-powered offense we became accustomed to seeing early on in the season I have a lot of places I could go with this one but I think first of all 
the one thing I've seen kind of floating around Twitter, I know the guilty charge guys have talked about it too, John, and I know this is something that you want to see from the Chargers offensively, but when did the Chargers stop taking advantage of Justin Herbert's mobility? I mean, early on in the season, we saw the Chargers going out of their way to protect him, protect the offensive line, making the offensive line look better as a result of that, and also making Justin Herbert look better by simplifying some reads. There was also many more read option plays and stuff like that. Even even week one, they were running a bunch of run pass options with Tyrod Taylor. So I think this and creativity offensively are both go hand in hand. But this week, I would like to see the Chargers get back to doing what Anthony Lynn wanted so much, which is having a mobile quarterback and making good use of it. Absolutely. Getting Herbert out of the pocket and getting him extra time to throw the ball, making it less chance that he actually gets hit in the pocket is something that could be really useful for a young QB who's basically going to be your franchise, basically. He's going to be the future star of your team. And what basically everything you have to hang your hat on because without him, you don't have an offense. And if you get him out of the pocket, he has a chance to throw the ball away or run out of bounds or something that prevents him from getting clobbered in the pocket. And you have less chance of falling on top of guys and breaking a leg as well if you're outside the pocket. So that alone needs to happen. But then when you talk about creating plays, making the read option, Anything that involves Herbert actually running the ball has a chance to run the ball. You freeze guys on the defensive side, and the Falcons will be acceptable to that. But I think you also got to make sure you're throwing early and often to make sure that those plays work. If you're running first down and second down like you've been all year, it's going to be predictable. The Falcons might be bad, yeah, but anybody can predict what you've been doing. you got to throw early and often against this really bad Falcons defensive backs these guys have been hurt all year. They have miss, they're missing a lot of guys, including Demonte Casey, who was hurt later on, early on in the year. He's now on John's favorite, uh, San Diego State. <laughs> Love that guy, but he he's a good yeah, player. Yeah, but he man. tore his Achilles and he's done for the year. <laughs> it's sad to see he was having such a great time. I think he led the league in interceptions last year. But the DBs on the Falcons are not going to be able to keep up that well with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, even Jalen Guyton. So Herbert, roll out of the pocket, going to have a lot of time to throw to these guys. Read options, freeze some of these guys. Now they have to think about it. Now your passing game's even better. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And, I mean, I think we all learned the lesson. Just don't throw back across your body uh, if you're Justin Herbert in those situations. It seemed like he did that, and then the Chargers totally went away from it last week. But kind of building off what you were saying there, this stands as a very good matchup for the Chargers wide receivers, which is – Really happening for the first time in a while because especially for Keenan Allen specifically, David, the last two matchups he's been stuck with, Tredavious White and Stephon Gilmore, you know, arguably the two best corners in the entire league. And his production kind of reflected that. He only had nine catches for 88 yards over the past two games. I mean, that is what we're accustomed to seeing Keenan Allen do in one game, not two games so far this year. So that is another one of my keys for successes get Keenan Allen going. I mean, we all saw what this offense looks like when they're humming, when Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen have that great connection and it just doesn't seem like anyone can stop them. That needs to be a big part of this week's game plan because Keenan Allen's too good to be putting up those kind of numbers. And we all know this offense this season goes as Keenan Allen does. There's no question about that, Daniel. I mean, Keenan Allen's one of the most electrifying wide receivers in the NFL, and when he gets confidence and he gets going early, that's when he gets, you know, talking trash, gets that swagger, and he goes out there and, and he balls out. And against this 
you know, defense here, there's going to be opportunities for that. I mean, if you look at, you watch the tape, especially the Saints games, Michael Thomas went off both times against the Atlanta Falcons defense. I mean, nine catches each time, over 100 yards each game. So Keenan Allen should have. Hill throwing the ball to him, too. Exactly. That's with Taysom Hill throwing him the ball. And, you know, I think we all agree that Justin Herbert's probably a little more talented of a passer than Taysom Hill. Now, not taking anything away from him, but he has a great supporting cast as well. But, um, yeah, definitely uh, target Keenan Allen and also get him in, get him going on some slants because this is going to help you with one of, one of my other keys is have a, a plan to def- defeat the blitz. I mean, whether that's your hot route, whether that's your, you know, swing passes to the running backs, whether that's your slants, have a plan to defeat the blitz because this defense is going to come after Justin Herbert just because, you know, the last several games, I mean, that's been the blueprint is come after Justin Herbert, get him, uh, you know, confused. Um, but, you know, in this game, you got to have a better plan to defeat the blitz. Yeah, that was also one of my keys for success. And it's really not even just the blitz, because as we saw last week, the Patriots didn't even have to blitz, and they were getting a ton of pressure. I think they ran 34 stunts last week. So I think that's all kind of wrapped into it, John. And I think it's not just you know having a plan for the blitz, but having better communication amongst the offensive linemen. I mean, this week, as it stands right now, they should have the five guys out there that they want to be out there, the five guys at the top of the depth chart. And this week has to be great communication-wise. I know it's hard when you're an offensive line and guys are shuffling in and out of the lineup, but the trade-offs on stunts and things like that have been brutal for the Chargers this year. So it's offensive line communication and not just having a plan for the blitz, but making them pay for the blitz. And that's one of the things that Aaron Freeman said, that the Falcons have gotten really aggressive early on in games, but if you make them pay for it, if you take advantage of it, They're going to drop back a little bit. That's going to open up the running game. That's going to open up a lot of the underneath stuff for your offense. But if they blitz you, if they're getting a lot of pressure, you have to find a way, whether it's screens, whether it's quick passes, to counteract that. A lot of that has to do with the offensive line's communication and being able to trade off some of those rushers. But you absolutely have to make them pay if they want to get aggressive with you early on. Well, I think the best way you're going to have to make them pay is how you've made teams early on in this season pay, even against Tampa Bay when they send an all-out blitz, what did you do? You hit the deep touchdown. Hit him over the and top. And the Falcons yeah. are full of injuries at DB. I think that would be your best spot. Send Jalen Guyton deep and take the shot. Be aggressive. I know it's asking a lot because of who our coaches are, but be aggressive. <laughs> Go for the kill. Going for the quick slant, it works because you got Keenan, who's probably the best slant runner in the NFL. But all you got to do is just put a linebacker over there to drop into a zone. Like looks like he's going to blitz, then he drops off into a zone. And now you have to stop and find another option just because you know, hey, Keenan's going to win. Let's send a second guy over there. It's easy to stop if you're an NFL defense. But what's not easy to stop is someone as fast as Jalen Guyton going deep on your DB when you send an all-out blitz with a guy like Herbert who can throw an absolute dime. When it, even if you miss the shot over the top – they're thinking about it. You know what I mean? Even if it clanks off of Jalen Guyton's hands 40 yards down the field, they just know that they got you're burnt in, on that in your, play. You are in their head immediately after that. Exactly. I mean, it changes what they want to do if you can do that. And, I mean, Aaron Freeman talked about that. It's like they will change it up if you make them pay for it. So that was another one of my keys for success is get back to the explosive plays that made this a really good offense early on in the season. But the one thing that's kind of hurt them all season is – turning the yardage, which I believe they're sixth in the league in yards gained 
per game, and that's even after the 45-0 route last weekend. But scoring points, on the other hand, they're in the bottom 20s. So for me, David, this week, I mean, it seems simple. I don't think we have to make it more complicated than it needs to be, but score some damn points in this game. I mean, you scored zero points last week. You're going up against an Atlanta Falcons defense that gives up the third most passing yards, the sixth most yards in the NFL. They're middle of the pack as far as yards per game allowed defensively. I think they're ranked 17th in the NFL. But after that offensive meltdown that you had last week, Score and score often. I don't have a ton of trust in this Chargers defense, so I need the Chargers to go in here and put up 30-plus point, 30 points this week. And they're capable of doing that. I mean, if they go back to executing and they go back to getting into that rhythm where they're, you know, they're running to set up the pass and they're using the play action, which we haven't seen them utilize in the last couple of games, that's another thing I want to see. I need to see more play action. The Chargers do it well, and we haven't seen that the last few games. But, yes, absolutely have to score some points. And that goes along with some of my other ancillary keys, which is no freebies, no turnovers, no penalties. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to play clean. I mean, get back to, to playing clean football. Don't give them any extra extra you know whether that be field position or you know turnovers just don't do it and protect the football because this defense is going to try to knock the ball out of your hands I mean they've done a really great job of forcing fumbles and they are good at recovering them so that just goes along with the no freebies part I mean got to play some you know sound technical football I know that's boring but I mean that's what they have to do against this team and the Falcons have yeah the Falcons Falcons this year have blown leads as well so it's as explosive as their offense is they might get out to a quick lead on you, but just know that they are capable of blowing it. So always be going on the attack. Don't be getting worried. Don't start having your heads down. Keep going on the attack, and eventually the Falcons will blow it. Well, and if you're the Chargers, I mean, we haven't had to worry about it in a while because they haven't got out to a lot of big leads, but don't let up. I mean, these are the two best teams in the league at blowing leads late in the game. So, I mean, me and Aaron Freeman were wondering if you even wanted to have a little lead in the fourth quarter. I mean, even a big lead isn't really safe against these two teams. But, yes, 14 forced fumbles by the Falcons this year so far. Justin Herbert coming off of a two-interception game. I think him having a clean game is something that is very important as well. And this is just your weekly special teams reminder that if the Chargers don't do well on special teams, they probably won't have a chance in this game. I mean, well, and hey, this is this is on Anthony Lynn too because Anthony Lynn said he is taking over special teams. So, all right, coach, you know, you said you're going to take over this part of the game. So, let's see it. Let's see some some difference. Let's see some change. As of this point this season, according to Football Outsiders DVOA, the Chargers are not only the worst special teams unit in the league; they're one of the bottom five special teams units of all time. There's only five teams that have ever had a negative 10 percent in their metrics and right now the charges are sitting at negative 15 so um doing some historic things on that side of the ball but we do need to flip it over to the defensive side of things where i think the Chargers will probably have some more issues in this game and what they need to do to kind of fix some of those things before getting into our bold in game predictions at the end of the show coming up right after this All right, guys, time to flip things over to the defensive side of the ball. And I think with the Chargers, one thing really stands out for them and really makes everything better. And obviously, I think that is getting pressure on the quarterback. And the Falcons offensive line is okay. I mean, I don't think the Chargers are just going to run roughshod and sack Matt Ryan five times in this game. By any means, but I do think there is a way to do it, John, because at this point in his career, Matt Ryan is not going to be the elusive guy you've had trouble with. 
you know, so far this season. And I mean, so far over the last couple of seasons. But one thing he is really good at is stepping up in the pocket and making a throw. If he's rolling out, he's not great. If you're getting pressure on the interior, he is also not very good as well. So for me, obviously, you want to get a pass rush. But I think for this week, somebody on the inside is going to have to be a disruptor, get in the backfield, force some quick decisions by Matt Ryan because anyone can step up in the pocket. If you have a Limbaugh Joseph at 340 pounds in your face coming up the middle, it's a lot harder to make those quick decisions. Well, I was actually wondering what if we did something that, you know, the Chargers are known for, which is doing like twist where you make Bosa be that pressure up the middle and say Justin Jones just goes outside and is just your outside contained. Nothing more, nothing less. Doesn't have to compress the pocket just has to keep Matt Ryan from rolling out that's it and let Joey Bosa come up the middle because you got two really good wide receivers in Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley who you're probably not going to stop I mean good luck but what you can do is keep Matt Ryan from throwing to them by being in his face and we all know as you just mentioned the middle of the line's got to be the difference in this game and they don't show up at all but what if you got Bosa or Ingram or someone going in the middle with some twist I think that would make a... Well, it can't be Ingram, but yeah, I get I'm just saying, point. there's someone on the outside who has a lot more speed that can actually run and get a shoulder down and create a little bit more pressure than what the big guys do. All you got to do is just have whoever the, the defensive lineman is that's doing the crossing be outside contained. That's it. And everybody else yeah. drops off and keeps Matt Ryan from doing a quick throw. I think it would be a really good strategy. I think they need to get Bosa on the interior rushing in this game. And maybe Uchen and Wosu, if he can come back, we're doing the show before we get the Thursday injury report. So it's unclear what his status is going to be this weekend, but it obviously would be a huge help. And even if you're having Jerry Tillery line up at defensive end on most snaps, if you can run that stunt to get him going inside and just give him that extra, just a little bit of wiggle room for him to get in quickly, he's obviously athletic enough to do that. I think that would be a big key for them as well. But I think the other thing here is, David, is although I do think the Falcons are going to try to test the Chargers deep, I don't know why they wouldn't. The Chargers have not been good on the deep ball so far this season, which is something that Gus Bradley, you know, for all of his defense is worth. I mean, that was supposed to be the thing that they take away, and they have been able to do that in the past. But one of the ways you can get them to really have to kind of struggle offensively, I think, is to get aggressive on early downs. Don't let them get the run going. And then also, you know, if you have to, go man coverage on some early downs. I know Gus Bradley doesn't like to do this, but I think if you can get up in the faces of these wide receivers and make Matt Ryan just hold on to that ball an extra second, I do think it's going to do a lot of good things because Matt Ryan has one of these things, one of these ticks where if he's patting the ball inside of the pocket, and that means he's holding on to the ball too much and he's probably going to make a bad decision after that. So I think they're going to hit a lot of underneath stuff, as you've seen in the tape. They love throwing a lot of short passes and things like that. But if you're able to just take away that first read from Matt Ryan and make him hold on to that ball just an extra second, it could cause some bad throws. It could cause some rush decisions. That obviously is the best way for the Chargers defense to be good. And we've seen it, I mean, really throughout the Gus Bradley tenure. If they're getting pressure, if they can make the quarterback hold on to it just another split second, it's going to do a lot of good things for them defensively. Especially against Matt Ryan, because if you watch the tape, Matt Ryan does not really go through progressions. He likes to lock on on his first progression, and he's 
looking to throw the football there. I mean, the only time where you really go through full progressions is if it's schemed to, to wait a little bit, you know, where, where it's a little bit of a longer developing play, then he might go the other direction. But when he does go through his progressions, nine times out of 10, the pass rush is there and they're getting him on the ground. So I do agree with you. Definitely try to get him to get off of that first. But when he is on that first, watch his eyes, because like I said, he doesn't really go through progressions. So you, this could really be opportunities for interceptions because I mean that that's what he does and it's what he's done throughout his career. Um, I'm not too really worried about the run, honestly. I think uh, you know Smith and you know 23 and 25 are their you know guys are going to get the most carries out there. I mean I think they they bring in Todd Gurley, but I, when I was watching Todd Gurley, I mean he just does not look that explosive to me anymore. He still runs hard, but he doesn't have a lot of juice behind his legs, so. Uh, I'm not really too worried about that. Um, but what they do very well and what they like to do is play action. So it's something you have to be very aware of and be very cognizant of is don't bite on the fakes because they're going to try to do it a lot. And that's how they do like to set up their big plays. And on those plays, I mean, that's when you have to be the most disciplined. No penalties on the back end. Nobody getting B over the top. I mean, that's how those plays usually develop. And that is, you know, getting the linebacker sucked up, finding a spot over the top. And usually they're attacking those on early downs if they can get the charges out there in their base formation or any of those things. That's a really good matchup for the Atlanta Falcons offense. But one of my things, John, is can this is kind of like a – you know, which one is going to prevail type of situation because the Falcons love to kick field goals and the Chargers hate forcing other teams to field goals. And for me, I think that the Chargers have to get right in this game. I mean, I think the Falcons, I mean, are going to move the ball in this game. I almost have no doubt about that, but you can hold them to field goals. The Falcons rank 29th in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. They only score a touchdown 50% of the time once they get down inside the 20. But on the other side of things, the Chargers have allowed 17 straight goal-to-go opportunities turn into touchdowns. So obviously the Chargers are going up against their former kicker in Young Way Koo. But for this Chargers defense, I mean, we're talking about four plays potentially on all of these drives. If they can just find a way to get off the field in the red zone, if they can find a way to get off the field in third down when the opponent is coming in trying to score, I do think it'll give them a great chance in this game because I do think the Chargers can score touchdowns. If you can hold them to field goals, I think you set yourself up in a really good situation. You definitely do, but the one thing comes down to, when you say stuff like that is, does that mean the Chargers should do the bend-don't-break defense this week? Well, with how bad the Chargers have been stopping the run this year, you kind of don't want to. You kind of want to be aggressive and just take your chances on Matt Ryan having to throw a dime with pressure in his face, even in the red zone. And despite how good Julio Jones is, for some reason they don't like getting touchdowns to him in the red zone. It's kind of weird over the no, yeah, that's been a thing over the past few seasons. They don't they just don't get him touchdowns in the red zone. If he gets touchdowns, it's usually because he caught a deep pass or he broke a short pass and a, or he got a short catch, broke a tackle and ran down the sideline and outran everybody. But when it comes to the red zone, they they just don't get it to him. So I feel like that's one less worry that you'll have. But Todd Gurley, he's kind of hard to tackle. Brian Hill is a little hard to tackle as well. I remember watching him in Wyoming. He was kind of that little squirmy guy that can make one guy miss and just fall forward. But the Chargers defense, they just stuck against the run. It makes me worry that you can just sit back and maybe hope Matt Ryan screws up. But I think you just got to be aggressive in their throat, even in the red zone, or just take your chances. If Matt Ryan throws an absolute dime to somebody – then he won that battle against you. But he's not going to hit a lot of those, especially the Julio. So I agree. If you, got, if you get those stops in the red zone, the field goals will probably be the difference in this game. If they kick five field goals and you score five touchdowns, big difference. 
huge difference. And and I want to say, first of all, that I'm, I'm not advocating for the Ben, but don't break defense because at this point, this is like a mythological creature. At the, I mean, it might as well be a unicorn, this bend, but don't break defense because we haven't seen it. I mean, it's just been a bend and then break defense. My thing is just, can they make the important plays? Can they get off the field on third down? Can some individual players step up and make some big plays in this game to force them to field goal attempts? If that means getting pressure in Matt Ryan's face, if that means attacking the ball at the catch point with these receivers and knocking down a pass. I mean, there's a lot of ways they can do it, but they will settle for field goals and they have no issues doing it. So I do think that could be a huge part of this game. I also think that Kenneth Murray building off of his best game of the season is going to be something that's very important in this game too. I mean, last week they gave the play calling duties to Nick Vigil. Kenneth Murray was able to play a lot more freely. He was able to get downhill more quickly. And we saw that turn into a sack, a couple of tackles for loss and 14 total tackles. So I think that'll be a big key for success is Kenneth Murray, you know, building towards being the linebacker that the Chargers really need him to be. But we're running out of time, so let's start getting into our bold predictions. David, let's start with you this week. Where are you going for your bold prediction? Well, my bold prediction is that Keenan Allen's going to go off. I think, you know, he's had those two quiet games back-to-back, when, you know, you know the two games combined one of his normal games i mean i think keenan allen has a great opportunity against uh you know some injured corners some inexperienced corners uh he's gonna have a big game i'm going 12 catches 140 yards and a touchdown yeah i mean last time we saw him play a bad secondary he had 16 catches for you know almost 200 yards against the jets so i mean i do think that's attainable for him even though that is a bold prediction. John, where are you going with it this week? I'll, I'll try to make you guys think I'm stupid here and crazy. You're um, a crazy I'm going to go Herbert goes for 400 passing yards and 100 rushing in this game. Whoa. Sets the franchise record, huh? I love that. All right. Cool. I could see that. I mean, I do think that he, he's no, you know, Kyler Murray. He's not going to do what Taysom Hill was able to do against them, but it would be nice to see him have just a good rushing game because we haven't seen that from him. He's a good a runner, though. I mean, they need to give him more opportunities to uh, run the ball. Yeah, I think he's a fine runner. I mean, he's a very straight line runner from what I've seen, and he does take a lot of big hits, but he's not taking any more big hits than standing behind your bad offensive line. For my bold prediction this week, I'm going to go with something the Chargers have been very bad at, and it's only bold because I only think there's a slight chance that they do it, but I'm going to say that the Chargers hold the Falcons to under 40 rushing yards in this game and no touchdowns. Even though it's not a great rushing attack by the Falcons, we've seen those kind of rushing attacks work well against the Chargers. I'm going to say that they can't get it done this week against a pretty soft Chargers front. I think they find a way to get it done this week. Let's go to the game predictions. Uh, well, we should probably have all of our information before we make our predictions. So let's go to our historian, John Kegley, to give us the all-time series notes and give us what he thinks is going to happen this weekend. Oh, thank you so much, Wade. I'm glad you want my info first. I'm a yes, nice guy. Well, this is one of those teams the Chargers struggle against historically. There's the Packers, and then there's the Falcons and the Panthers. And with the Falcons, the Chargers trailed this series 8-2 to two all time. And the last time they played was that 27-10 to 10 comeback. And you needed a historic Denzel Perryman performance to win in overtime. The uh, fourth and two. Yep. And then loss. somehow th- that same Falcons yeah. team goes to the... 28-3 uh, <laughs> Super Bowl I game. Not, I was trying not to laugh this whole time. But yeah, they go to the Super Bowl and they choke it again. <laughs> we, were, we were their first victim, so I have to make sure that we one day have a 27-10 to 10 flag inside the stadium when they're there. But 
yeah, over, overall, they just don't score very much. That 30 points is the most the Chargers have ever scored against the Falcons. Before that, they scored 3 points, Eesh. 16, 20, 3, 9, 10, 10, and 0. Mm. <laughs> and that 0? It's not like the Falcons are some powerhouse no. defense either. No, I mean, they on. are not. The Chargers have only scored more than 20 points three times in that 10-game series. And Ugh. that 0 was the former largest blot in team history 41 to 0 back in 73 yeah and as much as i want to pick the Chargers in this game because it feels like a great matchup for them i just i just can't i don't trust the coaches to actually take the strengths and use them i feel like the Chargers are probably going to lose this game in a high scoring battle probably 34 31 falcons i think we're all going to be kind of around the same you know spot on this one i mean you're right as far as the matchup it's not a great running team the Atlanta Falcons, and that's something you're obviously pretty bad at, and they're not a great pass defense team, which is something that has obviously caused the Chargers some struggles over the last couple of weeks. David, you're the optimist. I think if there's anyone picking the Chargers in this game, it's you, but I know you've been a little bit scared to pick them lately because they always come back to stab you in the back. Yeah, they do. I mean, yeah, and of course, uh, I, I love how you you know give all the great titles and nicknames and introductions to John, and I get nothing. The bad uh, stuff's but- so much more fun. <laughs> anyway um yes i actually do feel like the chargers are going to win this game i feel like they're embarrassed they should be i mean they just got the the worst deficit loss in their entire history uh, and i feel like you know there's a great opportunity to, to, to go back to throwing the football and going deep against this secondary i mean they're one of the worst past secondary defenses in the league so i feel like the chargers are going to be able to exploit that i do feel like it's going to be a one score game they all are if they're if they're going to be close and the chargers only win close games it seems like so uh ju- just kidding the Chargers only um, win oh, okay i, I just on. said just kidding just yeah uh, <laughs> see i even fooled you but uh, i actually feel yourself. like the chargers uh, no i no i didn't i feel like the chargers are actually going to win this game uh, it's going to be close but it's going to be 31 24 and they're going to squeak out a very rare win well i hope that david's blind faith finally comes back and the chargers can get a victory this week but i'm not going to be the one to pick it this week, just because I haven't seen it. And that's been my whole thing. I mean, look at the teams the Chargers have beat this year. Jacksonville Jaguars, the Cincinnati Bengals, the winless New York Jets, and the Falcons, even though they're 4-8, and eight, I think are better than those teams I just previously mentioned. And I do think they're going to be competitive. I do think they're embarrassed from their last game, the 45-0 blowout. But we didn't see the same team last week. I think we see a more competitive team this week. And unfortunately, I think the Chargers are going to lose again in a game where their former kicker comes back to bite them in the ass. And I think the Chargers are going to lose 30-27 to on a young way field goal, unfortunately. I hate to say that. I probably think that Michael Badgley misses a field goal as well. But either way, the Chargers won't be able to get it done this week in my mind. But I hope to God that they can change it this weekend against the Falcons because we need a Victory Monday show desperately around here but that is going to do it for today's show we'll be back with you guys on monday to get into all of the biggest plays from this weekend's game and where the chargers go from there but until then make sure to follow us on twitter at locked on lac and to like the facebook page locked on chargers as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from you can find the locked on chargers podcast there and that is the fastest and easiest way to get the show. If you guys want to call in with your post-game reactions or any questions you have, the number is 323-524-7924 for the Lockdown Chargers voicemail line. But hopefully the Chargers can get it done at home this weekend against the Falcons. And we'll be back with a happy show for you guys on Monday. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.